he made a statement like, oh, so if you're such a proud Indian, how come you want to move to another country? And that kind of stumped me for two minutes. I didn't know how to respond to that. And then I asked him that just because I'm moving to another part of the world doesn't make me any less proud of where I'm coming from. These are still my roots and will continue to be my roots. I can be a proud Indian anywhere in the world. When you move, you are not only becoming a part of a different culture, but you're also carrying your own culture with you. You're carrying your own value system, your own upbringing, your own traditions with you. Welcome to episode 31 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help newcomers, expats, and businesses connect across cultures to succeed in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hiaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathways to success in a new culture. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. So if you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest's experiences that can help you, even if it's just a reminder that you're not alone. We will be getting into our second part of our conversation with Shini Sani. But before we do that, I wanted to just talk a little bit about some experiences that I had over the weekend, because I had lunch with my aunt and uncle who were visiting from Scotland, and we went with my wife Liliana to my mother's home, met my brother and his family there. And at the restaurant, we connected with Ronald, who is the son of one of my parents' former students from their days in Nigeria. And he was named after my late father. And he is now living and working in Canada. So at the table, we had six national cultures from Five different continents featured Canadian, Irish from my mom, aunt and uncle, and also Scottish, Argentinian and Japanese from Liliana, Croatian from my sister-in-law, and Nigerian from Ronald. Actually, seven different national cultures from five continents at one dinner table, one family gathering. Which brings me to that idea of different cultures connecting in different ways to form a family leads me into my introduction for part two of Shini Sani. Now, as a reminder, Shini is a mental wellness and fitness coach who worked as a psychotherapist for 17 years in India before transitioning into coaching. She is currently in India, but will be relocating to Canada later this year. In today's session, she talks about India's cultural diversity and how it connects to relocating to Canada, the awareness of cultural tendencies and how it differs from stereotyping, and being proud of your culture while living outside of it. So without further ado, let's get into part two of the interview with Sheen.
something that's coming up in your future. Your plan is to move to Canada. Although you haven't been to Canada, you've had a number of experiences across cultures in India, which is quite diverse in its own right. How does that inform your plans of adapting to Canada? I think, John, just that virtue of being an Indian, there is so much cultural diversity that we experience here. This is the land of cultural diversity. We have so many different communities living together. We have different religions coexisting. So many languages, hundreds of languages that are spoken in India. We have, I think, 22 official languages of the country. So that's the kind of diversity. So many festivals. It's a birthplace of Hinduism, Sikhism, Buddhism, Jainism. So many different religions that originated here. Customs, rituals, and people from every state, they have their own unique cuisine, their own food habits. And being an urban Indian myself, I think I've had the privilege of getting exposed to so many different traditions, customs, regional cuisines, just because I went to school with people who were coming from different parts of the country. I've had friends who belong to different communities, different religions, and we celebrate each other's festivals. We participate in all the customs. There is a lot of cultural exposure within the country itself. I think that it makes us adaptable. It makes us ready to embrace other world cultures as well because we've done so much of it back home. I feel where the challenge comes in is also that there is a certain intimidation factor and I know this because people have spoken to me about it as part of their experience that people from different parts of the world, they look different. There is an accent, of course. Now, even within India, we have accents. But then you have the comfort of knowing that the person you're talking to looks just like you. I think it takes a little bit away from that. It's not as intimidating. And then you've been having those conversations with people from within the country since you were young. So it's not that daunting a task. Or conversations, and especially for people who are not fluent in English, let's say, because English is widely used across the world. All of them may not be as fluent in English. Some would be, some would not be. I think that definitely becomes an obstacle because understanding what the other person is saying becomes that much more of a challenge. Explaining what you want to say becomes that much more of a challenge. So language does, of course, play a very big role. But yeah, as an Indian, I think the beauty of belonging to and growing up in this country is the kind of cultural exposure we get. I think for Indians who are moving abroad, it would definitely be a strength for them, the kind of cultural exposure they're already coming with. They've been with and been friends with and been a part of so many different traditions, customs. You tend to pick up two words here, two words there from different languages. You may not be fluent in that language. You may not even understand all of it, but you definitely know words. It's a small thing, but they are of significance, which I think for me personally, I think it does play a role in making me feel more confident having conversations with people from other parts of the world. I remember having a conversation with someone from Spain. He was not very fluent in English and I don't speak Spanish, but we did manage a reasonably good conversation. So it does create that sense of openness to explore, openness to try and understand the differences. I think India definitely does give us that. Yeah, that early exposure to different cultures makes you more open. Any particular experiences that you remember in India growing up 
that stuck out for you in terms of lessons that you can take forward with you when it comes to connecting with other cultures? We were speaking about my challenges in school. And I think the first time I realized that people from different parts of the world, their sensitivity levels and they are different in the way that they might respond to the same situation. That was not even an idea in my head before that. A girl moved to our school when I was in, I think this was grade seven or grade eight. She joined our school. We also lived very close to each other because we were going to the same school and then also hanging out together in the evening. So we did spend a lot of time together. She had done her primary education in the U.S. And when I shared my struggle of why I was so uncomfortable talking to people, why I felt so underconfident, the way that she responded and the empathy that she came with, the concern and the understanding she approached that entire conversation with, I had not experienced that before. I had not experienced that with my own people. So that just goes to show that the level of sensitivity and awareness and the way that people respond to a certain situation, and I'm not blaming anyone here and I'm not giving credit to the way things are done in another part and blaming the way things are done here, but just the difference. And that made me realize that, okay, if I just give myself a chance to open up and give myself that space to open up and just talk to people without worrying about what their reaction might be, because I'm just assuming how they'll react. It turned out so beautifully. And that was, in fact, my first experience of understanding how somebody who's coming from another culture and from another part of the world would respond and handle that situation so differently from what I'd seen before. And that stuck in my mind because that was a formative experience. It was still when I was in middle school. So one of those early middle childhood experiences. That's a great point that you made about making assumptions about how someone's going to react. This is something that we all need to keep in mind when it comes to reaching out to others whether it's to share challenges we're experiencing or when we're anticipating conflict in a conversation. And right. I think that applies when you're making assumptions about anything about a person based on your own past experiences, based on the stories, the cycle that you're caught in, assumptions right. about people being different in some way. If we stay open, we might be surprised what happens. Absolutely. And also I've realized that this whole us versus them thinking, it's so easy to buy into that narrative. Us because we speak a certain way, them because they speak differently, they look different, their way of doing things is different. So let's just us stick together. I think that entire narrative that and all of us buy into it at some point or another. It's very important to just break free from that and overwrite that hardwiring. Stepping out of our own comfort zones and just talking, understanding. I've actually heard such amazing stories from people where they, on their travels, met tourists from other parts of the world and they did not speak the same language at all, not even a few words. There was no language in common, but they managed to communicate and spend time together, enjoyed meals together. That is so beautiful. So I would definitely say just being open to the idea of trying to explore that area of not letting things like, oh, we don't speak the same language or we don't look the same 
not letting things like that come in the way. And I think it can surprise most of us because we go into conversations with those assumptions. That's an excellent point that you make. And as you said, an us versus them mentality, not even in the sense of being open racism, for example, but it's even to the point of seeing it as, oh, they don't speak English. But it's also, as you said, in your story, okay, this person didn't speak English very well. And you added on, I spoke no Spanish, right? So it's also that awareness as well, rather than being a judgment on one side, it's a recognition. Okay, there's a difference here, but we can find ways around it. You were able to find a way to communicate with them. And as you mentioned, other people who had no language in common at all, still being able to enjoy time together. And I think it's the idea of avoiding judging others and also avoiding judging yourself because I've seen this happen where you end up judging another culture as being better than than your own culture. Oh, they are so much better. I've seen that happen with people going to Japan and say, oh, Japanese culture, this is so much better than ours. And recognizing that, no, it's not necessarily that one is better than the other. There may be different approaches if we were to take it, say, to connecting with people. There may be approaches that in certain situations might be more effective, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's better for most situations. Getting onto a a more technical point about intercultural studies, task focus versus relationship focus, for example. Yeah, that stood out for me, I think specifically in the last couple of months, because I've been having conversations with a lot of people based in Canada, in US, and this has really stood out for me. And it's interesting, actually, how people in certain parts of the world are, especially when it comes to work, they are so task-oriented and it's very impressive. Things like punctuality, things like efficiency, productivity, we're given so much value and importance and it's beautiful. But then again, if I compare it with some other parts of the world, including where I come from, India, there is so much focus on relationships. It's very relationship oriented. Or let's say you have a big submission at work or wherever, even at school, people can just get by saying, oh, so-and-so thing happened at home or between you and I, we have this understanding and oh, I'll do it. So give me a little more time. So that flexibility is there. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Each one has its own strengths, each way of working. But I really think that both of these are so important if we look at it. Productivity, efficiency, time management, being punctual is so important. But then so is empathy at the workspace. So is maintaining and developing non-transactional relationships, building a community around you, building a support system around you, which will happen if we build those relationships. So I think finding that sweet spot in the middle, finding that balance, I personally feel that can be transformative in a way. Speaking as someone who was very task-oriented and transactionally based when it came to relationships, particularly on the business side of things, I've certainly benefited from taking a bit more of a relationship-oriented approach when it comes to the work that I do. As you said, getting into that sweet spot and understanding when you can leverage your own experiences and when you are going into another place as a person who is from outside of that culture, there is obviously a need to adapt and adjust to fit in with the expectations, but also being able to have that outsider's perspective and realizing there are times when you can bring your own experiences in and enhance in ways that person who's 
from that society may not even realize is possible. And being able to ultimately act as a bridge between culture. I think that also, and I'm speaking from experience, it also does a little bit to break stereotypes because I've been having these conversations and a lot of things have come up as part of these conversations. And somebody actually asked me, oh, how come you did not think of pursuing engineering? Because that's what Indians do. And I said, no, that's not what all Indians do. And there are Indians like me as well. There are Indians who cannot process numbers. We exist. So I think there are certain stereotypes that we all hold about people coming from different countries, from different regions. Even within India, there's so many stereotypes that we hold about people coming from different parts of the country. I think building relationships and becoming more open to having those conversations, which are non-transactional, you're just investing your time and energy in getting to know the other person, is a beautiful way to deal with those stereotypes as well. That's been my personal experience. I think that awareness of cultural tendencies can be valuable because then it opens up your mind and it makes you aware of certain things. But this is why I'm also leery of teaching do's and don'ts when it comes mm. to cultures. Oh, to do this and don't do that, because then it's easy to just fall on that and switch off your brain. Oh, okay, this person's from India, so that means they don't need to be on time because yeah. they probably won't be either. And not considering the person. So having the awareness, okay, generally speaking, business culture tends to be like this or that. But the most important thing is having awareness, and that means listening and paying attention to what's going right. on and what the other person is like, and then adjusting based on that. So right. very good of you for mentioning that. On the other hand, then there have been some extremely bizarre conversations as well. If I can call it that, it's just ridiculous in nature. I was talking to somebody who's Indian, who's moved to Dubai. And we were just talking about how work processes are and how the whole work culture is. And I happened to make a statement or two about, oh, I feel very proud about the way we've been doing things here and there's been progress and things are so much better from the time I remember the years that I grew up in or the time that I started working. And he made a statement like, oh, so if you're such a proud Indian, how come you want to move to another country? And that kind of stumped me for two minutes. I didn't know how to respond to that. And then I asked him that just because I'm moving to another part of the world doesn't make me any less proud of where I'm coming from. These are still my roots and will continue to be my roots. I can be a proud Indian anywhere in the world. When you move, you are not only becoming a part of a different culture, but you're also carrying your own culture with you. You're carrying your own value system, your own upbringing, your own traditions with you. You are sitting in a place where there's so many immigrants in that part of the world, in Canada. And I know for a fact that different festivals are celebrated and different communities, they get together, celebrate things together, get involved in each other's traditions. That happens. So I think where these conversations also help is in tackling with this thought process of Oh, if you're so proud as an Indian, how come you don't want to live in India? To me, that was a little silly. Let's face it, when we look throughout history, I think the world would be completely unrecognizable without different influences through various migrations and so on. And I think the idea that to be proud of your country, that means that you have to stay within its boundaries. I think this is the point of being able to expand and share and, right. and learn from other cultures and get what you have learned to other cultures. I think something that Canada can benefit from greatly is by being open to these other ideas from other cultures and 
bringing in people who have these different lived experiences. So thank you for sharing that. Which is when I think just normalizing having these conversations, just why it's so important. The more we openly talk about these things, the more normal they become. We don't run away from them. We don't shy away from these conversations. And these conversations are also so relevant to just about everybody, not just a country where people are migrating to or not just a country where people are migrating from. I think these are experiences that everybody's had at one point or another. And if we tend to just put a veil on things and have veiled conversations and not really touch upon what actually needs to be addressed, it becomes that much more difficult for change to happen. Yes. And having these conversations, as you said, leads to greater change and leads to us being able to better express ourselves and adapt to different situations, whether it's moving to another country, being more open about other challenges, neurodiversity, or concerns about mental health. I think just being open and being able to talk about these things is, as you said, so beneficial. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you'd like to speak about? When we were talking about students, the challenges that students face, I think because of being that age, having certain conversations can seem a little difficult. It can seem intimidating because you're talking to people who come with way more experience, who are older, who are in authority positions, whether it be it in organizations or be it in agencies that are helping them settle in. And I have seen this happen and I have heard this from students who have migrated to different parts of the world that something needed to be said and that would have gone a long way in making me feel more comfortable or helping me acclimatize better to a new environment to adapt better. But because that conversation was not had, because that topic was not approached, and this applies just as much to working adults also, not just students. And this is something that I really believe in and I have learned to do this myself. I have put in a lot of work into this over the years to take up space and speak your mind because nobody is a mind reader. People don't know what's going on with you until you tell them what's going on with you. A lot of things that we perceive as challenges are actually not even challenges. It's just that they have not been spoken about and they can easily be resolved. That's, I think, yeah, my two cents. I think something that can make a bit of a difference in just being more comfortable, even if it's fake confidence, just getting it from somewhere and using it to have those conversations. Thank you for all of what you've shared today. For those who want to connect with you, what are some of the ways that they can reach out to you? I have shared my website and my social media links. LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me. I think my email is mentioned there as well. I'm pretty responsive on email. That's a good way to get in touch with me. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time, Shini. I really appreciated hearing all of your experiences and your thoughts as a mental health professional and your own personal challenges and having the courage to share those as well. So thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you, John. Thank you for making me feel so comfortable. And I really enjoyed this conversation. It was engaging. It was interesting. And thank you. Thank you. That 
was part two with Shini. Very excited to have her to share all of the, her thoughts about adapting and what it means to be a proud Indian or being a proud person of your culture. You don't necessarily have to stay in your country to be a proud member of your culture. Next week is the first part of the conversation with Meg Noteboom, who is a newcomer mentor facilitator who works in Toronto. She is also an immigrant from Japan to Canada. She's got a lot to share. She talks about not conforming to Japanese society, but also feeling out of place in Canada, the responsibilities of employers in Canada to help bridge the gap for newcomers, and the benefits of mentorship and networking to your success in Canada. Until then, keep navigating your way between cultures towards your goals. Thank you.